Yeah, and there's construction, and I think the mic's picking it up a little bit. They're using a saw or something. Okay. All right, then. Well, you know what the answer is, don't you? Me leaving my bedroom? Yeah, or potentially we lean into it, and we dedicate this episode to men at work. (laughs) Either laborers who are currently working during the pandemic, or the Australian band who gave us Down Under. Overkill. I I particularly enjoy Who Can It Be Now because I hate answering the door and I enjoy my alone time. One of my neighbors was listening to Men at Work and he ran out of the four classic songs that we all know and love and I was surprised because he kept going. And my sister and I were like, oh my god, other Men at Work songs. Okay, so you say there's four classic men at work songs yeah okay it's a mistake that's the fourth What's a mis- oh okay right okay no i just i just thought you meant that naming four no. men at work songs no. would be a mistake no okay Overkill. Fine. Right. who can it be now it's a mistake down uh-huh. under those are the four classic men at work songs that we all know and love and not just one of them yeah yeah good <laughs> good Good. So we can start this episode now. What exactly is a fried-out combi? It's the VW bus, and it doesn't work properly. That's a fried-out combi. Is it? Yeah, VW a VW bus is called a combi. No, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now that makes that makes much more sense than in that case. At least here, that's the name here. I thought it was just the name there as well. It's not. I don't think it is that well known in the UK as traveling in a fried out combi. Now, for years, I, I thought. Yeah, makes sense. I thought that meant they were riding along on a combination oven, and I don't. And that, I know. I realize how stupid that sounds now that I say it out loud. Now that I say it out loud, I realize what an idiot I've been all this time. However, genuinely. That's what I thought they meant. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Our oven's broken down. We probably shouldn't use it as transport. Uh, no. What are we going to do? The, the actual name of a VW bus. Call me. Okay. Okay, right. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've had this talk. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Brazil Nuts, an insane journey through the world of Brazilian politics, with your host, Larissa Peixoto, political scientist, and Garrett Davis, the world's most successful wombat juggler. Coming up on this episode, we talk about rock, the rock, and also the 1998 Brazilian movie Central Station, which, according to the Academy of Motion Picture Science and Arts, isn't as good as Gwyneth Paltrow, and her vagina candle. Please remember to rate and review us wherever you rate and review things. Maybe you're a Michelin guide inspector and you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, this duck made three ways nested on a bed of seasonal vegetables with a red wine jus and a a horseradish puree. This isn't isn't ticking my box. 
I will give this no stars. But what I will give all the stars to is Brazil nuts. Uh, not the food, obviously. It's, it's a podcast. You'd probably like it. Okay, bye. <laughs> that was a palate cleanser. Do you want to talk about The Rock? Like, the music? Because I thought we were already doing that. <laughs> no, I mean, really? I mean, men at work are many things. I would hardly consider them rock. I mean, rock is a very, you know, all-encompassing genre. If people can say Evanescence is rock, I can say men at work is rock. Good point. <laughs> you can laugh it's okay no it's fine it's fine i don't want to laugh i just want to say a big shout out to amy lee one of our most dedicated listeners <laughs> again thank you for supporting us <laughs> i am not disparaging the band or anybody who listens to them they can you know everybody's got their taste I'm just saying, not necessarily rock. Okay, good, excellent. So, Amy, I know you're listening to this. Lovely, lovely for you to be with us again. Once again, we'd like to point out that Larissa does not speak for the both of us. <laughs> what would you say Men at Work is, if not rock? I mean, it's very, it's kind of a, a popular music vibe, Men at Work, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but it's... Pop rock. It's rock. It's just, you know, easygoing Australian rock. Have you heard about The Rock? Yes. And what he's done over the past few days? I heard he endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yes. It was just a motorcycle. Get used to it. Okay, all right, okay. It just sounded like, you know those, you know those vehicles they have in Mad Max with, like, the skull <laughs> on the front and just a bunch of spikes sticking out of it? That's what that I, sounded like. I only watched the one with Furiosa. The first one I tried to watch and it was just so boring. So The Rock endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yes, he did, yes. And I just want to point out that we had a conversation a long time ago, and I don't know if you remember this. Probably not. When we were talking about Donald Trump wrestling, and we we were having this conversation where you said that The Rock is a right-wing arsehole, and I said, no, no, The Rock's <laughs> a decent dude, Okay. I said he was a Republican. I don't remember saying right-wing asshole, but I might have. I mean, really, it's a little from column A, it's a little from column B at this point. Exactly. My point is, my point is that I feel thoroughly, thoroughly vindicated now. Thank you. I was right. You were wrong. I'm fine with this. I was surprised and impressed by The Rock's actions over the weekend. You know, he did it in a very blah kind of way. No, as a centrist, blah, blah, blah. But fine, he did the right thing. So I am the kind of person who does kind of get annoyed with giving a cookie for people doing just, you know, the basic common sense minimum effort. 
the fact that he considered running for governor or president or anything a few years ago pissed me off and, and just kind of made me a little uh, at him. But that he did this over the weekend has, you know, thawed me a little bit. Even though people don't get a cookie for doing the basic minimum decency thing that they should have been doing since the beginning. So what we're saying is is that you are you are definitely smelling what the rock is cooking. I am saying that Barack Obama was also a centrist and John McCain was not. No. Yes, no. Neither was Mitt Romney. Here's what I love about Barack Obama is that 30 years ago that man would have been a Republican, honestly. Barack Obama? Yeah. I think the current Barack Obama, yes. 30 years ago, Barack Obama was way more left-wing than he is. Oh, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. What I mean is President Barack Obama. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I was watching this documentary and there was this teenager from Pakistan and he was talking about how they would cherish and be happy for cloudy days because cloudy days meant no drone strikes. Mm, and this Jesus. was during the Obama administration. Yeah. So the idea that Obama is some sort of liberal, radical, left-wing dream is just ridiculous to me. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, like I say, I mean, he would have been, he would have been a moderate Republican 20 yeah. years, uh, 30 years ago, certainly. Yeah. And then... Up until the point of, arguably, George W. Yeah, the United States has been tugging itself to the right for many, many years now. It's just, mm. uh, the more the Republicans go to the right, the more the Democrats also go to the right. Mm. So you go and you say, oh, this is a centrist Democrat, but the centrist Democrat now is what a moderate Republican used to be. Yeah, it was Reagan. It, like Reagan now would be considered a centrist Democrat. He would have been by far and away. The only thing that you could really, really say about Obama was his passion for and belief that there should be stricter rules on gun control, which he never managed to enact. No, but that wasn't his fault, though. I mean, let's be yeah. fair. He did get the healthcare thing going. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is sad about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. but the fact that she should have retired when they were able to get a Supreme Court justice nominated during the Obama years, that is just obvious. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, you never know when some space junk is going to fall on your head, but there, there are probabilities. An 87-year-old woman who has already had cancer is way more likely to die than somebody who is 48 being hit by a bus. Oh my god, you're not going to be get hit by space junk right now. But, but now you put the thought in my head. Oh my god. It could come from anywhere. I mean, mostly the sky, but you know what I mean. It could, it could happen at any time. Space junk. Did you watch the show Dead Like Me? No, I didn't. Yeah, that's how the main character dies. Hit by space junk. Oh, great. Good. Thanks. Now I'm going to think about that. It is a life changer to think about that. My mom, we were ordering pizza and she went, 
uh, we, she wanted to order from this fancy place and she went, I'll just order it. Uh, then if I die, I'll have had the pizza instead of just leaving you the money so you and your sister can have the pizza without me. Jesus. But yeah, I mean, enjoy the now because you never know when some space junk is going to fall on your head, especially during a pandemic. The space junk is metaphoric. Metaphorical? Okay, right, fine. So everybody who's listening to this right now, including Chris O'Donnell and Amy Lee. I'm pretty sure you're going to cut this, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. I think I think people need to know about the space junk, honestly. <laughs> because I didn't. And now, now I'm never leaving my house again. Unless, it, can it come through the roof? Yes. Oh, shit. How are you safe from this? Right, fine. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> new plan. We're all getting bunkers. It's happening, you I'm sorry. You can get hit by space junk. You can be, get hit by a bus. You can fall off a ladder. But you can't get there hit are... by a bus if you don't cross the road. And you can't get hit by, fall off a ladder if you're not climbing a ladder. Dude, I fell at the beginning of the pandemic inside my own bedroom and mm -hmm. cut my brow with my own glasses that were on my face mm. and hurt my leg and i still have a bruise there putting it on something on my floor i don't even know what but did you have a huge lump of space junk lodged in your forehead no but i could have exactly well fallen in a funny way that could have I don't know, my glasses could have poked me in the eye and I could have gone blind. I could have fallen on my fan and broken my neck. A, a million different things can happen at any time. Mm. So just enjoy your life. But they can't if you're in a bunker. If you're in a bunker, then space junk is not going to lodge itself into directly into your... No, but you can still fall. Brain head. You can still fall inside a bunker. Well, of course the you can. murderer can still come in inside a bunker. No, they can't. That's what a bunker is. What kind of rubbish bunker are you living in if an axe murderer can just open the front door and be like, hi? They they asked for help. You're too nice not to give it, but they're actually an axe murderer. They ask for what? Help. Please help me. There's a lot of space junk coming out down here. Down out here, so... Get your own bunker, you weirdo. That's that's how you solve that problem. <laughs> Not you, because you're too nice. Right, uh, you don't know that. You don't know. I you do don't know that. No, you don't, because now we, we've introduced space junk into this equation. It's every man for himself, quite frankly. <laughs> Maybe we should get back on topic. Okay, fine. So all I was going to say about Dwayne the Rock Johnson is that he's a solid dude, and I was right, and uh, we should appreciate the fact that for once. For once, I was correct. I think he still voted for Mitt Romney, so... I think that I don't care I was right. He did the right thing once. Let's hope he sticks with it. I don't think you're giving enough enough credit to me on this one. I Prove think. me wrong, Dwayne Johnson. Isn't isn't wrestling the whole about this? Like you, you get people to you know. Ooh, I challenge you. So yeah, I'm challenging him to prove me wrong. Keep it up. Maybe 
what we'll do is we'll hang a contract of morality from the top of the ceiling and we can make it a ladder match. That'll be fun. No, we, he just needs to keep up the good work. Okay, all right then. And if you don't, Larissa will be coming for you, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Ooh, she's... Just to, you know, wag my finger in a She's going to hit you with an elbow from the top. Mm. I am going to sing the Moana song over and over and over and over again in his head until he can't hear it anymore. Which Moana song? That'll be his punishment. His. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm going to sing it without the auto-tune. That's a great song. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you suggest? How dare you suggest that that is not Dwayne The Rock Johnson's own silky voice? It is with auto-tune. No. You get, you get out. Get out now. Get out. How dare you suggest? How dare you suggest? That an ex-wrestler would do something that could possibly be considered fake. Did you cry on Central Station? Tell me. I'm sorry? Did you cry watching Central Station? Did I cry watching Central Station? Yes, the movie that we were going to talk about this Why would... episode. Because we've been talking about everything else. Okay, fine. Why? Why? Why would you ask that question, though? Because mm. that is a very sad movie. Okay. Okay. And you are a huge crybaby. I'm sorry. It's not a secret. Right. Everyone knows you're a huge crybaby. You cry with anything. Right. Now, 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 first start, shut your face. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, I'd like to point out that I don't actually cry at movies at all, whatsoever. I am as cold and as stone-hearted as the day is long. I do not, I do not, you know, I will not have my emotions manipulated just by swelling violins and the sight of a deer with big eyes. That, that shit does not happen Within this space. But a nine-year-old Brazilian child crying. Now. Being sold to drug trafficking, to organ trafficking. What does happen, however, is that, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but my house is situated right next door to a factory, and the main product this factory supplies is frozen sliced onions. And so what happens uh -huh. is is that as they're going through the process naturally of taking fresh onions and cutting them in vast amounts, huge amounts, tons and tons of these uh -huh. onions just being sliced and sliced and sliced, occasionally, occasionally, some of that will drift over if I leave a window open, for example, and then my eyes will react to that. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what sure. happens. Coincidentally... Mm -hmm. When you were watching a movie, when you were watching Lilo, Lilo and Stitch, yeah, and you know she she picks Stitch out, and they say Ohana to each other. Why always at that scene? Some onions walked into <laughs> your house. It's just a huge coincidence. It's a massive coincidence. I do not know how that keeps on happening, quite frankly. I'm going to have words with them, <laughs> honestly. I'm, I've, I've complained to the council about it. They refuse to do anything. Anyway, 
The point is, is the that... point is you cried like a baby. No, it's okay to cry. I am not mocking you. Your masculinity is maintained. It's very manly to cry at a movie. Anyway, I made three mistakes when I started watching this movie. Okay. If we're going to base the success of this movie on whether or not I cried by the end of the movie, which we won't, but okay, go on. No, I think we should. I think we should because this will be this will be a good <laughs> lesson to everybody out there. <laughs> I think we should also note that I went into this movie in completely the wrong frame of mind because I made a massive mistake before I watched this movie, and that mistake what? was that I read the blurb for the movie beforehand. Oh, but blurbs always suck. This one specifically did. Because, because, I but know... A woman travels with boy. Get into hijinks. Exactly, exactly that. <laughs> I half expected it to be a Sandra Bullock movie involving comedy with her trying to adapt to looking after a nine-year-old because <laughs> kids are wacky. That's what I, that's entirely what I expected from this movie. And so I went into it kind of honestly half expecting it to be a sort of joyous romp with a teary bit at the end because it's Oscar bait and blah, 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 right? That's, that's genuinely what I thought this would be. I'm so disappointed in you that you thought I would like a movie like that. Well, no, but I thought, I thought you chose this for the same reason that I chose Zulu in the sense that it is very much identified with Brazil. And uh, as I said, um. as I said before, the only, there's only ever been two movies made in Brazil, as far as I know, one of which is <laughs> City of God, the other one is this one. That's it, you know, so it would either be this and City of God, and I've already seen City of God. So. Okay. One important lesson to know about me. Mm-hmm. Since space junk is hurtling towards you at any point in time... Why, why say that? Not... Why say that now? Why say that now while I, I'd actually got off... I'd actually stopped thinking about it for more than five Just minutes. listen to me for once. Jesus Christ. I'm never leaving the house again without wearing, like, a saucepan on my head constantly. That's what I'm doing. They'll call me Saucepan Gareth. I won't care. I do not waste my time watching things. I don't want to watch just for the sake of it. Just because, oh, it's characteristic of blah. Because time is precious and it's short. And so I will never, ever, ever just go, oh, I'm going to re-watch a movie to talk about it on my podcast and tell other people to watch it, even though I actually dislike the movie and think other people will dislike the movie. That is never going to happen. So I watched Central Station. Thinking it was going to be mm -hmm. a cutesy little thing. Indeed, absolutely. Now, the second mistake I made was watching this on a Sunday morning when I'd just woken yeah. up. And I literally, I made a cup of coffee and I sat down and I put this on. And that was my Sunday morning. The third mistake I made was admitting to you that I'd watched it. Because as soon as I said that I'd watch this movie you wanted to record straight away. And here's what you need to know about Central Station. It is not that movie. It is not the Sunday morning movie. It certainly as sure as shit is not a Sandra Bullock having hijinks and wacky comedy movie. 
and it is definitely, definitely not a movie you can process within the space of 30 minutes. It is bleak. It is unflinching. It is devastatingly beautiful. And it is genuinely heartbreaking. Like, everything about it will tear you to pieces. I don't know if I ever, ever will want to watch it again. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine any situation where I'm going, Ah, you know what I fancy watching? Do you know, do you know what I fancy? Do you know what I fancy doing tonight? Why don't, why don't I just grab a bag of popcorn and a big old Coke and just watch Central? No, that's not going to happen. But if you haven't seen this movie and if you are a fan of really genuinely great stories that are brilliantly told, then I cannot recommend it enough. That being said, don't watch it on a Sunday morning because it'll wreck <laughs> your Sunday. Don't go in there thinking you're going to have a fun time because you're not. And don't operate heavy machinery afterwards. Remember that when you're going outside afterwards because you're going to take a big breath of fresh air because the walls are closing in on you because it's so claustrophobic. Remember to put the saucepan on your head when you do so. <laughs> because because space junk is out there, guys, okay? Alright? It's a thing. Uh-uh. Okay. Would you like me to tell you what I loved about this movie? Yes. I want to ask you a question before that. Okay. Have you ever rewatched City of God? Yes. And you don't find it as disturbing no. and violent and hurtful? Oh god, yeah, no, no, no. The City of God is is brutal. But there are parts of City of God like I I watch City of God, and at the end of it, I don't... City of God doesn't have the same gut-punch reaction that this movie had. This is this is like this is like the Elephant Man for me. Have you seen the Elephant Man? No, but I, I, know, I know the story of the Elephant Man. I cannot watch the Elephant Man because there's a sequence in maybe about halfway through which genuinely upsets me, and it upsets me to the point where I am... A stoich man who is definitely not a mess. This movie is that to me. That's the thing. The Elephant Man, I I love to pieces, but I will not watch it because I know, I know it's going to break me in half. This movie is going to be that in the sense that I love it. I will recommend it to everybody. I will sing its praises all day long, every day for the rest of my life. However, there is, I'm never watching this again. It's just not <laughs> happening. It's just not okay, happening. Okay, so now tell me your favorite things about it. Okay, cool. Right. Okay, so here are things I love about it. The performances are all fantastic. And I was thinking about this this morning. There's a side character who is... He's a, he's either a policeman or he's a gangster or he's both. But he is... He very much runs the station. And he's only in it yeah. for maybe the first part of the movie. He's fantastic. He's an incredibly gifted actor because he manages to portray this this pseudo-benevolent sort of friendly, cuddly creature. But underneath it, and it's from the very first second you see him underneath it, it's obvious he's a bad dude. 
And he is yep. he is essentially he would be maybe the ninth or tenth name on the poster if he, if it was if if he was billed at all. And yet he delivers such a great performance. And yet it's easy to forget about him because there are performances in this movie that are that are spellbinding. They are incredible, and it's it's on levels upon levels upon levels upon levels upon levels upon levels. Yeah, he is billed. He is one of Brazil's most famous actors. Oh, is he really? Okay, well, yeah. in that case, then, it's well-deserved, because he's amazingly good. He is, you know, he's built lower, because he doesn't have that much screen time. But he, his no, name he in the film is Pedrão, which is a nickname for mm -hmm. the name Pedro, which is our variation of Peter. Mm -hmm. It literally would translate to Big Peter. And the name of the actor is Otavio Augusto. So he's a famous actor here. Most of the the actors in the film are relatively or incredibly famous. So Fernanda Montenegro is the powerhouse actress that everybody knows. Yes, Jaleia mm -hmm. is agreeing with me very much so. <laughs> and her best friend but her best friend, Marília Pera, is another incredibly famous and lauded Brazilian actor mm -hmm. actress. What Jaleia is saying is don't forget about Orphan Bastos. Yes, he is super <laughs> famous as well. Uh, he plays Cesar. He is also e extremely famous. And the the actors who played the two stepbrothers, the two half brothers, mm. are also famous. Especially the one who plays Isaías, Mateus Nachte, Nach. See, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Nachtergali. Mm -hmm. And he is in an amazing film called O Alto da Compadecida. So that film is based on a play, and I definitely recommend it to anyone wanting to know a bit more about Brazilian film. And it's a comedy, so, you know, feel free to just watch it on a Sunday morning. Uh, let me check the name in English. A Dog's Will. In English, mm -hmm. it's called A Dog's Will. He's also in City of God. So one thing that I would also suggest to people who watch Central Station and City of God is taking a look at Elite Squad because these are movies that are very much within the universe of the violence of Rio de Janeiro and I think it would help to understand that a little bit more. So another thing I liked about this movie is the just the level of impending dread that's constantly around the corner in this movie. Uh, even though, even though there's only one scene that's outright violent, which is when a, just a, there's a, a theft in, in the train station and somebody just, it's, it's just a, it's just a grab and run, essentially. Somebody just grabs something from yeah. a stall and just runs away. And your man who was previously mentioned, uh, Big Peter, <laughs> he chases this thief down and, there's a it's a relatively long chase sequence, but it's not that long. It doesn't last for 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 I would I would say more than two minutes, and eventually he just executes him in the street, like point blank range with a with a pistol. And after he says, "Please don't kill me," you please don't, don't have kill, to me. kill me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. And it is over what uh, turns out to be a Walkman from. The side of the store. And it's genuinely jarring. And it, it, 
because there's the other the other sequence the other scene in this movie which also comes right at the beginning as well because these things happen within the first I don't know quarter of an hour or so the other scene that's genuinely jarring is is the bus accident that happens and that's relatively it's shot beautifully well but it does leave you with the sense of devastation and just and absolute carnage and the loss of human life what's even more unsettling than that is everybody's reactions to it in which they literally just there's a bit of a fuss for maybe 30 seconds and then everybody just carries on with their life and just gets yeah, on with their day for the bus accident because you know there is a, a famous brazilian song and i've mentioned him before by chico buarque and mm. it's called construção literally mm. translates to construction and he talks about in the song an accident that happens to a construction worker and how people care only because he stops traffic. Yeah. So if that woman had died in any other way that was not in the middle of the street, people would not have noticed. They would not have cared. Mm. As much as they did not care about this child sleeping in the train station. That's the other thing that I was going to say. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, that. The violence in this film is at the same time that it's very obvious, it's also very subtle. So I think for foreigners to watch it, to see this guy murder somebody slightly off camera because you don't see the body, you just see no. him pull the trigger yeah. and the guy saying, you don't have to kill me. And then he pulls the trigger and then there's no one. There's no one. Nobody cares. Mm. Nobody's there to pick up that body. There's not going to be a police investigation because a lot of what police officers say here is, is that, oh, he's just going to offend again. He's just going to do it again. Why even bother putting them away? What I think is the worst part of that is that the, is that the store owner shakes his hand at the end of it. That bugged me. Yeah, but why do you think, why do you think Pedro is seen as benevolent? Because he is a local mobster who is protecting the station and the people who are operating in it, which yes. becomes abundantly, that's, that's the thing that really drives this movie is that this idea is that people aren't good. People aren't nice people. People are, uh, are, are genuinely no, I would not want to say that people are bad, but people are people have issues and problems, and they lash out at each other randomly. It's something that just happens, and it's the it's the consequences of that that this movie looks at. It looks at people with broken lives. One of the things that I that I like about this movie again is the idea that. Trains and buses, which we spend a, a large amount of the movie either involved with or surrounded by, they're all on predetermined courses. And they can't leave that. They, they all have a set destination and they can't veer away from that. And that's what this, again, this movie is, it talks on very, on a lot of different levels about how these people are essentially given the short end of the stick in life because of the system, because of systematic problems, rather than something that they themselves can affect and change. And that, I think, is, that I think is, is again to its credit. 
again, one of the the wonderful things it does is talking about this constant level of threat that it has, which is always going on in the background, and it becomes a very intense kind of almost claustrophobic experience to watch it, uh, is that the sound design in this movie is is just a work of genius. I mean, it really is. It's constantly the low-level hum in the background of... Uh, which is constantly approaching and coming. And it's it's this just this unbearable kind of just constant buzzing. I think it mimics happening. like the engine of a bus because the train travel in Brazil is actually very rare. So the mm. central station is for the subway in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to travel from city to city and state to state in Brazil, you take the bus. And you see the mm-hmm. shitty buses that they're in. But yeah, the thing that you're talking about, people being given the short end of the stick and being a systematic problem and the idea of having a set destination, having no recourse. I think the fear in the movie, the constant fear in the movie is that you never know if the person you're dealing with has taken that short end of the stick, has taken that shitty life that they were given and become a good person or a bad person. Mm. Yeah, indeed. So you never know if they are going to help you or if they are going to fuck you over. So people are hopeful. Yeah, one of my favorite moments, one of my favorite moments in this movie is when you meet one of the genuinely great characters in this, one of the genuinely nice characters in this, which again is, is I'm not going to pronounce his name, but it's your man who was also in City of God. And he, he is... A genuinely a lovely and wonderful person. He is possibly the only genuinely lovely and wonderful person in this movie. And yet the first time you meet him, uh, I would have bet dollars to donuts that that man was a pedophile. I would have done. I would have, I would have guaranteed you without a shadow of a doubt that 10 minutes down the line, there's going to be something awful that happens involving him. I was afraid of the truck driver, of Cesar, the truck driver. Because I didn't remember. I watched this movie a long time ago. Mm. So when I was watching him in the in the bathroom with the kid, with Josue, I was like, oh my god, he's a pedophile. He's so going to be a pedophile. And yet, he turns out to be a horrible character. But the, 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 the point of this is, is that these aren't people who were just... It's not like it's a random Wes Craven slasher movie where people are just evil because they're evil. The people aren't evil. The problem is, is that they are, Surviving. they are fully rounded characters and they are just trying to get by as best so as they can. You say Cesar was horrible. He was a horrible character, but you didn't say that about the murderer. You didn't say that about Pedro. Uh, uh, well, no, he is. He's now he is legitimately, genuinely evil. Yeah, no, he yeah, is legitimately. I mean, he's the only uh, him and um, <laughs> his accomplice are the only legitimately evil characters in this. Because what Cesar does is he is trying to survive, mm-hmm. and he turns to religion. He becomes a fundamentalist, mm-hmm. and he meets this woman, and in the span of two days, she makes him sin. Like four capital sins. There's, um, he drinks, there's mm-hmm. lust, there's stealing, and there's lying. Mm-hmm. And he just runs away. Yeah. So it is, it's, in his mind, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, 
Uh-huh. I'm saying he, in his mind, he is doing something in self-defense. He's protecting himself from somebody who is just leading him down a bad path. Very true. However, he does abandon them in the middle of nowhere to yes. basically starve and starve. To figure themselves out. And you see that He leaves them um, in the middle of nowhere without any food. He also, yeah. do you notice, he also doesn't pay for the three meals he just ordered. No. He doesn't leave any money on the table. He just legs it. Oh, well, he might have paid. I mean, there there is no evidence that he didn't pay on his way out. There's no evidence that he did pay on his way out. And and I think, I think that man there, he's just tucked his tail and he's ran to his little lorry as fast as he can, as fast as his little <laughs> legs will carry him. And he's but gone. But you see, daughter herself. Dust of smoke. She was an elema- elementary school teacher. She's retired. And she lives in, lives in a shitty apartment. Yes. And she still needs to make money to get by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And she makes money by writing letters for people who cannot write. And she does this running a little stall in, in the actual train station itself. In the station, yeah. Indeed. And not mailing the letters. So she exactly. doesn't spend any money on postage. On postage, exactly. But she also then goes through the letters and decides which one she's going to bin and which one she's going to keep in the drawer. Now, theoretically, the drawer itself will at some point get mailed, but we're talking about mail that's been sitting there for two, three, maybe five, ten years. Who knows? Who knows how long it's been there? And the more that goes in the drawer, the less likely any of it will ever be mailed. Yeah. It's, It's almost a joke to her. Yeah, and so it becomes very much a symptom of what is really this film's main antagonist, which is that the environment that these people are in creates vicious circles. And you have problems where people, they just whirlpool and they cannot escape from that. Even if they try. I love that it ends... Showing the two letters that, you know, sort of focus the entire movie Mm -hmm. side by side in a house of the three sons who still can't read. No, none of them them have any idea what the what those letters say. So the two the two letters represents the represent the parents and neither of the kids can read. They can do woodworking. They can roof. They can paint. But they can't read. My favourite moment in that climax. So we should probably explain what's a little bit of what's happened here. So Dora writes a letter for a woman whose son wants to meet his father. His father lives all the way across country uh, and not in Ridge Narrow. So Dora writes a, writes a letter for this woman. This woman then gets hit by a bus and killed. The boy who was with her uh, ends up sleeping rough in the train station. And through a series of, well, just a series of mishaps more than anything else, Dora ends up looking after this kid and taking him across country to try and meet his father. During this time, before that happens, however, she attempts to sell him to child traffickers and then has what amounts to an attack of conscience and uh, actually rescues him from that building. But it does mean then that her, her card is marked in Rio de Janeiro and she probably can't ever return there uh, which is another thing that we you know, that the film alludes to but never really dives into 
is the fact that, for its credit, it never goes, it never actually paints this on the wall, but you know very well that she's never going home again after this journey. This is, this is, you know, this is completely. They have no idea where she's going to end up. No, this is completely transformative for her. What happens here is something, is for the first time, she's no longer the bus or the train on the predetermined track. She actually may end up going somewhere else and doing something different, which I think is beautiful. But anyway, so she ends up taking the cross country. They eventually end up in the, in the town where his father lives. His father disappeared many years ago. Uh, however, she finds Not his- Not many. It hasn't been many years. It was two years. Oh, from the first house. The sons hadn't seen him in six months. That's when he went to huge. No, 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 no. He said he was coming back six months ago. It was? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. They get a letter and have it for six months without being able to read it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So they've had it for six months and not being able to read it because... We've talked about this. Literacy rates in Brazil are still kind of appalling. But they are much better now. They're mm. much better now. But in 1998, they were pretty bad. So she reads this letter out to them, but she leaves the boy with his half-brother so that he can grow up and have a normal life. And they seem like thoroughly decent chaps, the only thoroughly decent chaps within this entire movie. I mean, Dora herself is broken and a mess, honestly, and she should not be looking after a child in any way, shape or form. However, after she's read this letter out... Which we're not sure that she actually read it faithfully. That after she's read this letter out, in which she says that the father says that he's coming home for the boys... He's gonna find, he's gonna find this woman, the mother of his child, and he's gonna find his child. He's gonna bring them all back home so they can all live happily ever after. As one big family. After she reads this letter and folds it up and puts it away. There's a beautiful moment where her and the boy are alone. How do you pronounce his name? Josue. 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 I've said that absolutely perfectly and Larissa is gonna tell you that I pronounced it incorrectly, no, that was but never perfect. mind. Never mind, we'll carry on. That was so anyway, perfect. Josue. Yay! Who says the letter didn't say any of that, did it? And Dora, who we know lies about everything that she possibly can. It's established throughout the movie that when anybody asks her a direct question, her first instinct is to lie, says, Of course it did. And I think that's brilliant. Because to me, I didn't even think for a second that she didn't read it faithfully. I didn't, it never crossed my mind that she did not read that faithfully until the nine-year-old child, who was apparently a lot smarter than I am, asked the question. And I, and then I genuinely had the, oh shit moment. <laughs> that, that is, I mean, this movie delivers on levels upon levels upon levels. And I love it. And I could talk about it for the next, easily the next six months nonstop, every day, all day. There are so many things that we could talk about. We could talk about how beautiful it is, how how just wonderfully shot it is, how every single, I, I mentioned this earlier, but every single performance is on point and is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we could talk about the fact that the reality is, is that with what that constant threat level is caused by for want of a better word, for poverty. Because the one of the issues that people have is that they have no money to be able to do things. So there, I've, I always talk about this, how culture in Brazil is something very different depending on where you are. 
you can have, there are some commonalities. Rio de Janeiro is a very different place. It's a very hard place. It's very, people in it are very hard and there's a big culture of you snooze, you lose. So I've, who was it that was here? So I think a friend of a friend was here in Belo Horizonte and was mugged and was like, oh, it was my fault. I wasn't paying attention because that's the mentality of Rio de Janeiro. You snooze, you lose. You're not paying attention. It's your fucking fault. Because that's how they live. Mm. That is their yeah. reality. Everybody is out for themselves. Yeah. So it's a very difficult place. And it, it is like that. And Sao Paulo too. But to a lesser extent, it's not as violent. Because of the poverty in the northeast of Brazil. So you see how dry the landscape is. Mm. And the kid talks about how his dad was going to show him the sertão. Sertão is a biome here in Brazil. It's not a desert, but it's extremely dry and doesn't rain for years and years and years. And for a good long while, people would emigrate from that area to São Paulo and Rio de Janeiro to run away from the hunger and the poverty. And you have a lot of Brazilian art that's dedicated to it. A lot of it. So a lot of Brazilian paintings, can we can add those to the show notes so people can have an idea of that because they're extremely sad. Um, people would die on the voyage. People would go on foot. And so people would travel for days and days and days. They would travel on foot. They would travel in any way they could to reach Sao Paulo and reach Rio de Janeiro looking for work. And now that has stopped... We don't need to do that anymore. People don't need to do that anymore. But uh, we still face consequences from those days because it was many decades happening. So a lot of the uh, lower social, socioeconomic classes in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro are still descendants or still people who came from the 80s and 90s from the Northeast. And they face a lot of prejudice being there. And they're the ones living in the slums and they're the ones doing the hard jobs and getting paid no money. So I think this film shows a lot of that and it shows a lot of their devotion. You also, uh, you can see a, a homaria, which is, you know, a procession and our way of doing it. And yeah, do you have any questions about stuff that you saw that maybe, I don't know, made you curious? Not really, no. Train safety in Brazil is a, is, mm. is a terrible, terrible nonsense. It's better now, don't worry. And, and quite frankly, the first three minutes of this movie were harrowing enough just because of that. Watching people jump through windows to get on a train and sitting on, to sitting on top of the train while it's heading off. You don't do that, you'll die, you <laughs> fool. This film is a picture of Brazil in the 90s. Mm. It is much better now. Not that much better, but it is much better. I have never been to Central Station, to Central do Brasil. I have been on the subway in Rio de Janeiro. It was fine. Mm. Were you riding on top of the train, though? No, but I was riding in a nicer, I was riding in a nicer part of town. So. Okay. All right, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if ever you look at the top of a train and think, ooh, ooh, there's space up there. People don't do that anymore. 
One thing that you can still see is kids on bikes, and they will hook their feet on the back of buses to let the the bus pull their bikes forwards, and that is super dangerous. And that still happens here in my town. Well, they shouldn't do、yeah. that either. Quite frankly, no, they shouldn't. But they、Respect、don't surf the, the buses anymore. Surfing the buses has stopped as well. Anyway, so <laughs> in conclusion, did you cry? I mean, I know the answer. You totally cried. I know it. Okay, I just know it. Okay, so whether or not this movie was a success is dependent on whether I cried by the end of this movie. Yeah, agree. Yeah, sure. Okay, here's what happened. The end credits roll. I haven't shed a tear. I sit on my sofa. I stare at the screen. The movie ends. The screen goes black. I still stare at the screen. I'm sat there for ten minutes, completely devastated and heartbroken, and then I cried. Good boy. So, what I think happened was that the factory had just started production for、oh、that day、God. during that period of time. Uh huh. And so it was ten minutes after the movie ended. So I would like to point out that even even the saddest, bleakest, and yet most brilliant movie arguably ever produced couldn't make me cry because I have a heart of stone. Uh huh. Uh、mm、huh. -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. So we were going to talk about Zulu as well during this episode. However. We're actually recording this a few days after we originally recorded the podcast because why are we doing this? Because we are not adding the Zulu discussion to the podcast after all. And why is that? Because we had a fight about it. No, we didn't have a fight about it at all. That's not what happened. Twice. We did not have a fight about it at all. That's not what happened. What happened was twice. No. No, there was equipment failure. Why? <laughs> That's what、yes. happened twice. The thing is, it was not the technical equipment that failed. It was Garrick people. Dude, what are you talking about? This is right. This is how. This is how rumors start. Okay. This is this is how these things happen. Before you know it, right? We'll have People Magazine knocking at our door, saying, "Excuse me." But we've heard that Chris O'Donnell's favorite podcast might be in trouble. <laughs> Was there a well, blow up on the set of Brazil Nuts, <laughs> the podcast? Yes, there were two. We had two fights. We did not have a just... fight. Why do you keep on saying we're having a fight? We did not have a fight. What happened was is that we recorded this once, and the audio came out wonky, and then we did it again, and the audio again came out wonky. That's what happened. Just for Zulu. Yes. Twice, no, because we recorded we recorded it once and it was it was not right, and then we recorded it again and it still wasn't right, and so this is why we're recording this now to say we were going to talk about it, <laughs> but we can't because it's now Saturday morning and we're already a day late releasing the podcast. But what you're saying is the audio failed on just a Zulu discussion. The first time round, yes. The second time round, we just recorded Zulu. Bit and it still failed. Okay, fine. So, so it's our computers that hate Zulu. Fine. In one line or less, what's your opinion of Zulu? It's racist. I disagree. Anyway, folks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Thank you for listening. We love you all. We'd like to also as well extend a special shout out to our friend Miguel, who's going through a difficult period at the moment. Miguel, we love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you so much for being our friend. Indeed. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's pretty much all we have to do today. Remember to uh, follow us, like us, subscribe, all that good stuff. Where we at, yo? At Brazonet's Pod. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And that's it. Good night. God bless. Take care of yourselves and each other. And, and watch Zulu and see that I'm right. Watch Central Station, but only do it once. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Shadow the dog now. Possibly invite her in. My co-host isn't up to much. Do you want to take over? Ruff. Jeremy speaking how these go. When you're working in the gig economy. They just find somebody smaller and cuter than you are. Okay. Okay. Brazil Nuts is an effort by Larissa Peixoto and Gareth Davis. We'd like to thank Vosta Zelinski for our graphic design. We'd also like to thank the essential workers for keeping us safe. And you, our listeners, you are poised and powerful. Like a spider. Not like a dusty old brown spider crawls in your house and sits in the corner of your room. I mean like, you know, the spider that bit Peter Parker. That's what you are. Radioactive. And sexy. In a spidery way. Thanks for listening. The fact that I remember Nicholas Holt from that movie more clearly than I remember Tom Hardy being in that movie tells you something. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear my Tom Hardy Bane impression? Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs>